So this morning, anyway, I want to welcome all of you. I know Linda probably already has, but I want to welcome you and welcome those of you who are online with us this morning. I love seeing your faces, and and you guys get to see my face, so yay for you. (laughs) But um, I feel blessed by the study that we're doing this year on uh, this. Yes, this year, because next year starts in January. Yes, it does, and we are in September. Um, and that we're gonna study on discipleship. And I, I'm very excited about it, excited about our packet and all that we have to learn from this study um, in these next, um, our first four weeks and then our second four weeks. So let's begin. I need, I need to pray this morning before we get going. and. Um, just ask God to be glorified in all that is said today. So God, I just lift this time of teaching up to you, God. I pray that every word that comes out of my mouth is from your heart, that um, the ladies would hear the word, that their ears would be open to hear you speak to them this morning. But in all things, we ask that you would be glorified, God, as we, as we listen, as I speak, as we uh, are next to one another, Lord, that... Um, you would be glorified in all things this morning. And I just pray, God, that you would just pour your spirit out upon us, Lord. Well, I need a filling and an overflowing and a touch of your spirit this morning, Jesus. So I just ask for that, and I ask for it for the ladies, not me alone, but for all of us, God. So minister this morning in the way that you see fit, and may we fit into your plan and not into our own. So we bless you, we praise you, we thank you this morning in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So a few weeks ago, we listened to a message by uh, Tony Evans called Surviving the Declining Culture, um, which was very good. If you haven't watched it, I highly suggest that you do. It was very convicting. But um, he said, those of us who believe God, not believers of God, but actually believe God, are now on the visiting team. He said that we know we're on the vis- uh, we know and we know what the visiting team gets. They get booed and by those who are on the home team and the supporters of the home team's rules. He goes on to say the culture today is trying to brainwash us who believe in God and who actually believe him and do what he says. Many who profess to believe are no longer offended by what used to offend them. And that and that is um, more than likely most. Our children are now able to choose, and there's a great list with that choosing. It's not just one thing, it's many, even without telling us. Um, There is so much that we are up against today, right now, right now, this day, and that we don't even have to look back to yesterday. Right now, today, we're up against a lot with our schools, our jobs, our friends, the commercials on TV, movies, television shows, sports, government, stores, the culture really has become an enemy in a lot of ways. We have been inundated with lies, deceptions, and partial truths. There is no grace, no mercy, no love loss for those who believe God and do what he says. When we saw the conference last Saturday, one of the things Jack Hibbs said is that when we are raptured, no one will miss us. And I thought, wow, that's sad, because they'll be glad that we're gone. I just thought, wow, that's a, that's a bad state that our, our, 
our world is in. It's, it. So Tony, he goes on to say that we need to draw a line in the sand. And you know what, that line means not allowing the world to infiltrate the truths of God um, being, uh, the truth of God being real and really living for him by doing what he asks and teaches in his word and calls us to do. So, just that is a lot to take in. But isn't this why we're here this morning? To do what the Lord said? You know, those of us not only in this physical room together, but also online together, to learn and to know, what, uh, to know the Lord, our God, our Savior better, deeper, and be stronger in our relationship with him, to be equipped to live out loud in action and words, all for his, his glory. You know, we won't know where to draw a line if we don't know that a line needs to be drawn or where to draw it. The only way we know is to know what the word of God says. Then we will be better equipped to live it in our hearts and out loud through our lives. In these weeks of study ahead, we are going to look at discipleship and what God says about it in his word. It's not gonna be what I say about it, it's gonna be what God says about it, okay? So we're gonna look at it in his word. And I love that our packet points out that discipleship is not a program. I mean, in big bold letters it says that. And I, my hope is that this study will encourage you in your personal discipleship and in your outward discipleship with, with and towards others. Because discipleship is not a program, it is a lifestyle. And that we as believers are called to live. Discipleship now, it has many facets that we hope that you will discover as you do your study. It's not a one size fits all, only a one God with one way, which is Jesus Christ for all. We as believers in Jesus became his disciples today that we believed in Jesus and has asked him to forgive us of our sin and come into our hearts and reside with us. This is how we know that we are his disciples. That's how we know. So I wanna just dive into a couple things and unpack a little bit um, about what a disciple is and what some of the characteristics are of a disciple. So what a disciple is and the characteristics of a disciple are the difference between knowing and being and living and doing. We need to know to be and we also need to live and do. So a rose, I was looking at, I was thinking about this, a rose really lives when its buds blossom. That's when it's doing what it's supposed to do, shining its beauty for all to see and to enjoy, right? When it's a bud, you don't get to see everything, but when it blossoms, it, you get to see the beauty of it. So in your packet, disciple is defined as someone who accepts, follows, and helps spread the doctrines of another. A disciple is a learner or a student. And I wanna add, a disciple is a scholar, listener, or a hearer as well. In the day we accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, we heard his voice and became his willing student. We wanted to learn more about who he is and how to live for him. We became listeners and started learning his doctrine. 
I mean, when we accepted Christ, we had a, there's like that, you know, fresh believer hunger. Oh, it's so good. I want that all the time. So good. Um, so we learn his doctrine. His doctrine is what he taught in the word. It's what Jesus taught. Um, and that is, that is what doctrine is. And it's what he taught. And now it's, I want to remind you, it's all he taught, not just a small portion. It's everything that's in the Bible. He taught all of that, and that's what we're to learn by and stand on. The characteristics of a disciple are what identify us to who we listen to, learn from, and follow after. Jesus' followers are going to look and act more like him the longer they listen, learn from, and follow after. And as they, they live, and as he taught, they will look and act as he did. The more time we spend with someone, the more we become like them, good or bad, right? You have a bad, I don't know. I've seen people like complain about somebody in their life. Um, and then they become more like that person they're complaining about than they want to not be that person. But the more time we spend with the Lord, we're gonna look more like him and act like him and speak like him. We're gonna speak words of like hymns and songs and spiritual songs and scriptures and we're gonna glorify him more. But I think the great, a great place to start to know and understand what a disciple's characteristics look like and how we are to live is the fruit of the spirit. Some of them have been a tangible element in your lives already, you know, and like you love your kids, you love your friends, your parents, your husband. We've experienced joys, peace, patience. Maybe some of us lack a little impatience, but that's okay, you've experienced one time or another. Kindness, goodness, and faithfulness, those are all fruits of the Spirit. So we've, we've experienced a lot of those, so it's a good place to start to, to learn to be like Jesus. If we can do any of those, we're gonna, we're gonna look pretty good. So uh, how we continually learn to live these fruits is by abiding in Christ. Um, this means, as John 15, four through five tells us, we are to remain in the vine. It's about the vine. We're to remain in the vine. We are to remain in the vine as we, uh, uh, while we abide. We're to abide in the vine. And when we abide in the vine, who is the vine? Who's the vine? Jesus is the vine, yes. We will bear much fruit if we abide in that vine. The fruit will be active in our lives. So let me tell you, let me put it to you this way, because I liken abiding to remaining in the pool. When you get out of the pool, then you are no longer in the pool. Simple, right? <laughs> Abide in the vine. You get out of the vine, you're no longer in the vine. Abide in the vine, you'll get sustenance there. So the main characteristic of a disciple of Jesus is that she, we, abide and remain in him. I love the word abide. Out of our abiding and remaining in Jesus the vine, fruit will grow. And out of the vine, we, we, if we're out of the vine, we will drift, get carried off by false doctrine, peace will escape us, love will become conditional. I've been there many times. When you're out, out of the vine, love is now conditional. Oh, you didn't do that, so I'm not gonna love you. You know, you've irritated me. So the love just doesn't flow out of us. Remain in the vine, love will flow out of us. Kindness will flow out of us. We will know false doctrine. 
We must abide in him, and as we abide in him, we will have fellowship with him. How do we have fellowship with him? I have a lot of questions for you today. So. <laughs> we, abide, we, we abide in him, have fellowship with him in his word, in the study of his word, in prayer, and in times of fellowship with other believers, in study times together. That's how we ab- have fellowship with him. John 8.31 says, Jesus said to, um, to the Jews who believed, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. If you abide in my word, remain in my word, you are my disciples indeed. So therefore, the word is our focus here, the word. Even though we are studying a topic right now, this topic is everywhere in the Bible, everywhere in the word, this topic of discipleship is. So it's, it's not something I, we, I just picked out. Whoop. No, it's really something that God laid on on my heart through somebody else who'd mentioned it to me and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna pray about that and I could not get it off my heart. I felt like this was a wonderful place to go after we'd been in Romans. So we weren't learned what the gospel was, how to live it for ourselves and now let's, let's dive into discipleship and see how we do it together. So I, I love that. Um, we will learn what God says about discipleship in these next weeks. Discipleship, like I said, isn't my idea or Pastor Doug's, but God's. So next, we must also be learners as we abide. Abide is in a sit-down kind of a life. It's a get-up-and-do kind of a life because you have been given life. We've been given life, so we want to get up and do life. When I was in high school, I, I had to go to classes I really did not want to go to. <laughs> I wanted to ditch all the time, I have to tell you. And sometimes I did. And I didn't care to learn what was being taught. They weren't where my interests lie. They just weren't. Um, I did, however, love a couple of classes, my ensemble class and my art class. Uh, I wanted to be there to learn everything that I could. So there's a difference, though, between a student and a disciple, a willing student. Greg Laurie says it so well. He says, for example, let us say that you're in elementary school, junior high, or high school. You're a student. You're there because you have to. You don't have a choice. Then you get a little older, and you decide to go to college. You decide what your major is. You have a great interest in that topic and want to learn everything there is to learn. You transition from being a student to a disciple in that you actually want to go to class. You want to get the information. You take the time to be a student of someone who knows more about the topic than you do. So he says, let's apply this to our Christian life. Are you a disciple or are you a student against your will? If you treat church service like being in in class, you don't really want to be there, then you won't get much out of it. You have to to come as a disciple, a learner, as a student who wants to be taught. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciple indeed. The Bible, the idea of a disciple is someone who listens to a person who has full knowledge. That listener is drinking in every word, marking every inflection of the voice, absorbing every detail. They can't get enough. It is attention with intention. I love that, attention with intention. And that is why Jesus often said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
In other words, he's telling you, pay attention. Pay attention to what I'm saying. Abiding isn't a sit and do, as I said before, a sit and do nothing characteristic. Jesus is our greatest example. Jesus paid attention to every word that came from his Father, and with intention, he responded. He went out and did what he was to do. He went out and did. He followed what, the, what his Father asked him to do. For us, our discipleship training must be continual, daily, if you will. Hopefully, we are all reading our word daily and, try, and grasping something from the Lord. I mean, you know, you, let me just encourage you. You don't have to do these long, old, you know, chapters, you know, to get your time in. Find a verse and meditate on it throughout the day. You know, meditation was God's first long before it was the world's. And we want to meditate on good things, on godly things. So, you know, I look at it as if you, if the grass doesn't get watered every day, it will soon wither up and die. And the same is true about fruit trees. They need water daily to produce healthy, juicy fruit. And isn't it great when you can bite into like a peach and the, oh, runs down your face, it's so great. I mean, the pears that I got from here, from the basic needs, got so juicy, I had to eat it over the sink because it was so juicy. But that, that's what we need. We need to be in the Word daily to be filled with that juice of the Spirit. So as we abide in Jesus by being in His Word, in prayer, we will grow in our discipleship. And as we grow in our discipleship by abiding in Jesus, the more we will grow to have a heart like Jesus. And having a heart, uh, having His heart, we will, be, uh, we will have his desires to make disciples. We'll have his heart. We don't have to worry about what we, what we come up with. The Lord, that's his job. So Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19 through 20, which is a part of our scriptures today, um, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I command you, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And you know, I, I love that, um, you know, that Jesus is telling the disciples what to do. He didn't leave them around to guess. Like, now he's gone, what should we do? You know, even though they did that at first, you know, till he reappeared to them and they were like, oh, now we know it, we remember what you said here and here and here. So they were listening. Discipleship is an important part of, of our lives as, as Christians. Um, really, honestly, I really think that discipleship is already a part of our lives in one way or another. What we listen to disciples us. What we take interest in disciples us. What we watch disciples us. Not that any of it's bad, because a lot of it's good. But we are being discipled in some way. But let's not, take, let's not let any of that take the place that we would forsake eternal discipleship. That is where the rubber meets the road. That's where a heart can change. And a, and a life can surrender, and people will see the light that is in you, and hopefully want what you have. Man, that'd be, that's the best compliment. I want what you have, and you say, I have Jesus. Let me give him to you. We are not all called to lead worship or preach, which is probably good for some. 
But the, the word does say make a joyful noise. It doesn't say make a joyful onto note. You know, but out there we can make all the noise we want. We're to share Jesus and grow alongside others. Okay, so I'm gonna stop here just for a second. I don't wanna stress anyone out or cause you any anxiety. Because <laughs> I know years, years ago, if I would have come to a study about discipleship and I heard, I am supposed to do this, I would have been all stressed out and full of anxiety because I would have I just worried about it. Because I think we all have a preconceived idea of how discipleship looks and works. But may I say that discipleship looks different for each person. The content is the same, God's word. And if his word is being learned and applied, then I say praise God. But when I was writing this, I have to tell you, I had this really funny visual in my mind. I had this visual... (laughs) Oh, way back in the, I don't know, I think it's the 80s where they, everybody wore those, you know, tights and, and those shruggy legging things, you know, and they were doing old school aerobics. So I have this in my mind, there these ladies doing old school aerobics while they're memorizing scripture, you know. <laughs> I thought, that could be a fun way. <laughs> And we get exercise of the body as well. So there's not any set way of how to meet together and to be discipled in God's word. And Matthew 28 also, and the verses we're looking at today, is also called the Great Commission because it says, go therefore and make disciples. Um, This isn't really, it's not a suggestion. It's Jesus is saying, go therefore and make disciples. So I, me, personally, I don't want to take lightly the call of God on my life, nor do I want to stress myself out that I'm not doing it right. I want to, you know, if you spend time with prayer, God will show you. You know, he can show you. So um, I have another pause here. I have a few things I have to say to you guys today. <laughs> so, um, uh, I just want to talk just a couple minutes about the word call. Um, it's kind of been a pet peeve of mine a little bit. So I don't, I don't want to be misunderstood at all in this, but you know, um, I've seen God's calling abused many times. You know, um, I know you all, you know, we know about the preachers and all those that we see that are visual out there, you know, that abused God's call, that took it for granted and took advantage of it. But what I want to say is not about them, it's about us. How we can abuse the word calling for our own purposes. Because I think it's important, because we're talking about God's call um, to go make disciples, right? So I want to just talk about it a little bit. Um, God's calling to me is so anointed. But I've seen it used to shut others out so that they cannot speak into a person's life. Calling has been used to tell someone you don't want to hear what they have to say, or you don't want to go there. Uh, let me just give you a, an example, um, just because it's simple. If someone asks you if you are going to the retreat, let's say, and you respond, God hasn't called me to go. And I say, is that God? Really? I think 
and have experienced that there are other reasons for this response. Maybe you don't want to go, and that's fine. Or financially, you can't afford it. That's understandable. You might not like retreats. Okay. Whatever it really is, stop blaming God for not wanting to do something or go somewhere. His call is anointed. His call is exciting and special. And if you have a financial difficulty, maybe you're supposed to tell that person because maybe the Lord wants to bless you through them. When I've had somebody say to me in conversation, I'm not called to do this or that or go there, it's not my calling. There's been times that it has been used to shut me out of ministering to that person, to shut me down. I would rather them say, I can't talk about it right now, or I don't wanna hear what you have to say. I'm good with that, that's okay. God's calling should never be used as an excuse or to shut others out. God's calling is exciting. And when he calls, you should want everybody to rejoice with you, everyone. So if rejoicing isn't happening, I would rethink the use of the word. And that's what I gotta say about that, so we're moving on. (laughs) The reason also, though, I do have a reason why I just um, talked about that is because our next question um, we are gonna look at is who is to go make disciples? Well, in your packet, if you read your packet, it said it, you would read that we are all called to make disciples. Now you say, what? You just said all that other stuff. But, well, you know, we have responsibilities as believers to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, we, we should not keep it to ourselves. It's the hope for the world, the whole world. Not the world, the whole world. And we're, we, we need to share it, what, however that looks, however that looks. I know people who hug people in the grocery store and that ministers to people. We don't know where that goes because maybe you'll never see them again, but that could start a whole seed right there. We as disciples must also continue to be discipled and to, to be discipled lest we get carried away by what, is, uh, what sounds good, suits our fancy, or we become ignorant of what is against God in his word because we stopped going to church, meeting together with other believers, reading the Bible and praying. The word tells us, do not forsake the assembling of others, with others, together in Hebrews 10.25. The Hebrews writer is telling them to grow closer. He's telling them to figure out ways to rekindle the desire in each other to love and good works. He's telling them to encourage you each other more and more, and that no one walks away from Christ. He's telling them not to turn their backs on the church and on the church's togetherness. This application is, does this passage mean that the, this verse mean that the church should meet together, gather together, assemble together? Absolutely. That's what it means, that the church, it means We are a group of people who have been gathered together by Jesus and we make it our custom to gather together regularly to encourage each other and stir each other up to be loving and to do good works. And you know what? Today, we have so many ways to gather together. 
I mean, goodness, we have the phone, we have email, we have letters, we have FaceTime, Marco Polo, WhatsApp. I mean, you name it, we've got it. We have Zoom. There, we, have, we have no excuse not to meet together. I mean, there's all kinds of ways we can meet together. You know, and of course, I love being in the same room with you guys, I do. I love being able to hug and sit next side by side with each other, to touch one another. I love that, I love that. But I know people who have been doing Bible study with people for years and their friend moved away, but they still do Bible study. They do it over FaceTime or over, over the phone. They still communicate and, and sharpen one another. So there's, we, have, we, have, we live in a great time, actually, and we have a lot of tools that can be used for us to meet together. Pastor Doug, um, Pastor Doug said, uh, oh, wait a minute. Um, oh, I know. We, uh, in the state of our world right now, especially what it stands on, our world is what, where it's going. We can see it going um, down. <laughs> I just, I, I feel like I don't think there is a more needed time than right now to dive deeper into our relationship with Jesus, to stand side by side with each other. I mean, we need this. This is, we need this. We need this. You need this. They need this. Pastor Doug said a couple week ago, weeks ago that we are in the Judas movement. Oh, that just like pierced my heart. How opposite can we be from the Jesus movement? The Jesus movement is still happening today. In us, we do see all around us, we see the Judas movement sadly all around us, and we see it in the church. It's, it's awful with the deconstruction of faith and Christianity and belief. I mean, we're, if you wanna know about that, come Sunday night. We're gonna hear about the deconstruction, the progressiveness in the church, but that, that's what's happening in our world. They're, even believers are deconstructing their faith. What does that mean, you know? Me, I only want to deconstruct my flesh. I need it. I need to deconstruct my flesh. It is ugly, and I don't want it anymore. <laughs> and I want to be constructed into the likeness of Christ. Constructed into the likeness of Christ, to continue building into the likeness of Christ. Ugh. I want to go deeper in my relationship with Jesus. Discipleship is building and reinforcing our faith in Jesus. This is what we get out of it. We need to be challenged in what we believe by measuring it against the, what the Bible says, what God's word says. If we measure our faith against our faith, not God's word, we would get faith in faith, and that is faith in our flesh, and that is idolatry. The flesh can do nothing but lead us down the path of righteousness and off the first cliff. So if you wanna, woo! off the first cliff without a, one of those things or that, <laughs> follow your flesh. But if we believe in God, really, really believe in God, we will believe his truth and his word, and we will do what it says. When I was listening to Tomini Evans' message, I thought, what, a perf what perfect timing God has that we, that we would be led by the grace of God to the study of discipleship that we would have this time of study to encourage one another to be full-time followers of Jesus Christ, and full-time followers of Jesus Christ as a disciple. We're able to admonish and exhort each other um, to get to God's business. I mean, you know, we should be exhorting each other. Get to God's business. <sighs> Making the disciples and being a disciples 
We need to know the truth, and we need to encourage each other in it. We must know God's word. We must know his heart, his direction, have his love. Man, if I discipled people into the kingdom of Janet's flesh, whoo, it would be handing them over to the beliefs of this lost world. My flesh is ugly, ugly. I want to be a follower of Christ. But if you guys follow me as I follow Christ, we will have our eye on the author and finisher of our faith, who is Jesus Christ. If we know the word, we will know the truth. And if we know the truth of the word, we will not fall prey to the lies of the world. If we know the word, we will be disciples of the truth of Jesus Christ. And more than that, we can be part of others' journey in the truth of the word of Jesus Christ. Love is to know Jesus Christ as our Savior and pour, and pour the love out to others through his truth. Love will only pour out of us as it's poured continually into us, overflowing to others. This is discipleship, the Great Commission. Go therefore and make disciples, loving as Jesus loved, pouring out love that is, that is given to you, pouring it out on others. Right now, we need to be disciples be disciples and to be discipled. David Guzik says, I like how he talks, he just speaks to me because he says it simply. He says, this, is making, this making of disciples is a power of spreading Christianity, teaching them to observe all things that Jesus has commanded you, as he said to the disciples. Disciples are made through teaching. This teaching is not with word only, but with the power of the always present Jesus. We will learn in these weeks, next weeks, what that looks like. We are not saying there's a hard and fast rule on how to do discipleship. My hope and all the other teachers' hope is that you will be encouraged to find where your place is in discipleship. Let me encourage you. You're already here. You're learning, you're listening, and Bible study is one place to be discipled and to disciple because we have our small group leaders who are discipling, helping to disciple. But I do wanna challenge you, pray and ask God for more. More, what would you have for me? More. I pondered the whole thought that discipleship is love. I had to ponder that for a long time. I had to seek what does that really mean? How does that really look? How do we walk this out in our day-to-day lives? The word abide, this is, I found this so interesting when I looked it up, is defined to remain stable, fixed in a state of love that abided in him all his days. Fixed in a state of love. In our packets under the side, highlight discipleship is love, we read in Matthew 28, which I read earlier, that we are to go and make disciples, teaching them to obey everything Jesus commanded. I love what the commentator France wrote, because I think it's so cool. He says, these verses thus magnificently conclude the final section, but they also bring the whole gospel to a dynamic conclusion which, in fact, is more a beginning than an end. I love that. Jesus gives us the Great Commission, and this is the beginning. It's not the end. 
And, but verse 20 goes on and says, to continue to teach them, that means to help them grow. Get people plugged in, you know? Get them plugged in. Don't give people a flower and not give them the water to keep it alive. Teaching and training new disciples is so important. The Christian life goes far beyond belief. It goes to life itself, to living it. Obedience to God word, God's word must be taught, or how will we know how, how to live what God expects if it's not taught? Matthew 22, 37 through 40, gives two commands, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. This is a hands-on thing, ladies. Everything Jesus did was out of love for people. He taught the truth out of people. He gave a touch out out of love. He healed out of love. His righteousness is out of love. His purity is out of love. Hope is out of love. He even rebuked out of love. He gave all of himself when he walked this earth, and walking this earth, honestly, was truly out of love. And then he ultimate, the ultimate love he gave was his very own life. When Jesus gave this great commission, it was not for us to wait to show our, it was not for us to wait to show our love, but to pick up his mantle of love and make disciples. And when I think about picking up a mantle, I always think of Elisha, asking God for a double portion of what he had given Elijah. And Jesus told his disciples that they were to go and that they would do greater things in John 14, 12. Elisha when given a, uh, was given a double portion when he picked up Elijah's mantle. And, when we, and Jesus tells us, and we are to pick up his mantle, and we will do greater things than these that he said. All this brings me to where we get caught up with discipleship, okay? First off, I think we overthink it. How can I make disciples? I'm a mess. I need to, you know, get it together first. I need to memorize a few hundred scriptures. That, that all would be great, that would be great, but don't forget, God uses imperfect people. Listen to what Spurgeon says. Jesus said, go. When he said it, it was to some very imperfect disciples. Who was to go out of the, fir- who, who was to go out of the first band of disciples? It's Peter, the rash and the headstrong. It's John, who sometimes wishes to call fire down from heaven to destroy men. It's Philip, with whom the Savior had been so long, yet he still didn't know him. It's Thomas, who must put his finger, in, finger into the print of the nails, or he will not believe in him. Yet the master says to them, go, all power is given to me. Therefore go, you go. You are as good, as, good for my purpose as anybody else would be. There is no power in you, I know, but then all power is in me, therefore go. And I love the part where he says, you are as good for my purpose as anybody else could be. That made me laugh. I sat and laughed about that because I thoroughly identify with it. Um, I, I felt like when we started the church, I felt like the most ill-equipped pastor's wife. I, I did. 
And, and in case you don't know, because probably some of you don't know, um, oh, by the way, my name's Janet Snow. I, <laughs> I always forget to introduce myself, because I know that not all of you know that I, I'm Pastor Doug's wife. So anyway, so hello. <laughs> but when we first started, I, I didn't plan to be the women's ministry director, let alone teach God's word in this type of a setting, um, nor even understand to how, how, to, how to do it. Um, I thought I might be with the kids, you know, they were easier, I spoke their language more. But that wasn't God's plan or purpose for my life. He did call me to women's ministry, it was a call. I know it was a call from him because for the very reason, um, I knew if I didn't surrender to his call that I would be in sin, I knew it. I had to, I was compelled to because I did not want to be in sin, I wanted to do what he asked me to do as insecure and frail and ill-equipped as I was. And you know what, today I'm so grateful that I listened, that I surrendered as hard as it was. What the Lord has done and how he's used me, I can still barely wrap my head around it, honestly. Just to stand up here and speak, I am telling you, (laughs) it's the hand of God and the working of the Holy Spirit. It is, it is, I could have never done it on my own. The joy that has come out of serving the women, I can only describe as supernatural love. And you know what, you guys, you get the best because supernatural love is the best. It comes from heaven itself. Without love, 1 Corinthians 13.3 says, we will gain absolutely nothing. We have to do all things in love. We make disciples in love. We sit together in love. It was and is because of love that Jesus came and made disciples so that we could make disciples, that their disciples would make disciples all out of love. The love that Jesus so freely displayed and gave, it's because of love, the love from him. This command to make disciples is not merely to make converts or supporters of a cause, it is to make scholars, learners, listeners, students of Jesus Christ. Jesus says to make disciples reminds us that disciples are made. Disciples are not spontaneously created at conversion. Poof, you're a disciple. They are the product and process of involving other believers. It is others-minded, and that's our motto, Christ-centered, others-minded here. Calvary Chapel Southeast believes the church should be a Bible school. We believe we are here for the equipping of the saints to build up, grow up the body in Christ, to do the work of service, to be placed to, a place to be discipled, a place to disciple, a place to walk out what you've learned and to take what you've learned to the world around you. Being a disciple or discipled or in discipleship is about being and living out our Christian lives together. That's what it is. Now, you may not know everything that you would like to know about the word, but you know more than someone else knows. Nothing about what Jesus did for them, knows more about what Jesus did for them than they know. Don't let your lack of scholarly knowledge stop you from sharing Christ with others. Everyone here is older than someone. 
Debbie Bryson, she's a pastor's wife of Calvary Chapel, and I, uh, she said, she gave this really sweet story um, at Kay's memorial, um, but she, was a, she, was, she got saved in the 70s, you know, during the Jesus movement, and she started going to a Bible study right away where people were coming to Christ weekly at this house. She said people would stand outside, they'd open the windows so that people could stand outside um, and listen. She said one week as um, the study concluded, the leader said to all the men, now all you guys stay here and the women are gonna go outside in a circle in the grass and Debbie's gonna come out and teach them. And she said, what? She says, I- I'm only three weeks old in the Lord. And he says, yeah. These, these ladies came to Christ tonight and you know more than they do. And she went out and she shared what she knew, all that she knew and all that she'd been taught up to that point. And you know what, she continued her, her journey of faith and four months later she became a pastor's wife and she just learned on the way. And God blessed her ministry, blessed their ministry. A walk of faith in Jesus is just that a walk of faith, putting one foot in front of the other. We may be daily, we we must be daily in his truth, but also do what it says. So truth, this brings us to truth. Why Why do we talk about truth so much? Why is truth so important to believers? Because the word of God is the authority of the truth and is the authority for the believer. The truth in his word unites believers. Salvation requires truth. As a believer, the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit dwells in us. The spirit in us bears witness with the truth, and the truth guides us. The truth in the word produces true disciples. John 8, 31 says, Jesus said, you are truly my disciples if you keep obeying my teaching, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 15, 8, Uh, seven through eight. If you stay joined to me, Jesus and my word remain in you. Uh, So if you stay joined to me, joined to Jesus, and his word um, remain in you, will remain in you, you may ask for any request you like and it will be granted to you. My true disciples produce much fruit. This brings great glory to God. Produce much fruit. So he's saying we're producers, we produce. The true disciple stays joined to the vine. Jesus says, remain in him. Remember the pool, remain in him. Stay in the pool. Limbs that are separated from the tree lose their nourishment and they eventually dry up and lose life. And the same will go for us. Remain in the vine. Many can testify that during the separation period from Jesus is when deceptions are easily believed. Oh, don't be separated from the Lord. We don't wanna be deceived by the world. Iron cannot iron itself, sharpen itself. Iron must be scraped against iron to be sharpened. Let me ask you, what kind of a disciple are you? What kind of a disciple are you gonna be? To me, that question gets me every single time because I've failed many times. And I long to hear when Jesus says to me, well done, good and faithful servant. That is my goal. Something I've come to understand is that discipleship is not only learners 
for learners, it's also for, it's also for teachers. It's, it's, it's not just a one-sided thing, it's an all-encompassing, everyone thing. You know, I've looked at people, I've had many people disciple me, people that never even knew they discipled me. I see godly things in people's lives and I try to learn to be like them. I fell in love with the Proverbs 31 woman. She told her son to stop doing all the ungodly things and be a godly man. And he was an adult. He was the king. But she wanted him to do that so he could recognize a godly woman when she came on the scene. She taught me to speak the truth to my children. She discipled me in how to be a godly woman with the heart of Christ, not by the things I do, but the attitude and heart I have in doing them. Ruth disciples me, and still does, in long-suffering. Peter, the unschooled fisherman that speaks out of the side of his head. I'm guilty. I thank God for him. The church was built on him. He discipled me to learn along the way. God will be with you. My mom <laughs> discipled me in many ways. But she discipled me how to be a mom and the importance of prayer on her knees every day. My dad discipled me on how to be loved and how to love unconditionally. My husband, Doug, he discipled me by giving me the help I needed to read God's word. When I just started out, I could go on and on for people who have discipled me. Yet saying all this, I want you to know there is no hidden agenda here, no plan to match up anyone, no expectations that anyone will have to disciple another person at the end of this discipleship thing in eight weeks. There is no plan for that, this is not a program giving you the heart of God. It's God's place to do that in you, not mine. Although if it should happen organically, none of us would be sad. <laughs> I've been asked over the years to do matchups, and I have to say, some were great and others didn't work out. I believe God's heart is discipleship. We see it through his word. Paul was discipled by Barnabas, not as a newbie to the word, but he encouraged him to preach the word. Paul in turn took that on, took on many disciples, but none so dear as Timothy, one who became a son to him as he trained him. I identify with that. I have met with our Angela Brown for 20 years. <laughs> this all makes me cry. I had a hard time even writing it yesterday. So I apologize if you don't want me to share any of this, but it's gonna be shared. <laughs> You're welcome to share anything about me that you would want. <laughs> She's become like a daughter to me. She's my friend, and she does speak into my life. I've learned very, very much from her, just as you guys have. Uh, we have over the years studied, talked, and worked through many things. Every year looks different than the last. When she adopted her three children on top of the two that she already had, I'll never forget the day I showed up to her house to meet with her. 
I hadn't seen her in a few weeks because she's been slightly busy. <laughs> she says, I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to do our study. And then she just cried and she said, I had to schedule time to eat. <laughs> Would it be okay if I eat while we talk? <laughs> I think I might even have done some gistes for her. <laughs> but that day I said, let's just put aside our study and talk. And you know what? We've been talking ever since about being a godly wife, mother, how to stifle our kids, praying for our children, working through difficult relationship stuff, and all centered around God's word. If I had said to her, sorry, if you aren't gonna do your study, we can't meet, I would have missed out on so much, on seeing all of her children grow up to be these wonderful young people, three of whom not only oversee, one oversees our, our older kids, but the, the other two are helpers with our children today. They're in there, working, working. And I tell you, if she was blessed, I was doubly blessed, doubly blessed. Titus 2, 3 through 5 says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not malicious gossips, not enslaved to much wine, teaching what is good, so that they may encourage young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be sensible, pure, workers at home, kind, being subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be dishonored. We are to live a godly life, be godly women, so the word of God won't be dishonored. Even though it says older woman is to teach the younger, I have found I have learned so much from the younger women too, who have walked with the Lord for a long time. But what stands out to me in those verses is we are to be teaching what is good and learning what is good. Encourage, and that learning and teaching what is good encourages all else in our lives and will train you in the character of God and being in him, his word, and not, will not be dishonored. Discipleship is not to be feared. I wouldn't want any of you to feel that way. I believe that the Lord has us studying discipleship because our world needs Jesus so bad. We need Jesus so bad. And we need each other, I need you guys. I loved, loved discipling ladies over the years. It has encouraged me to grow as I've prepared. My visual of discipleship is standing back to back with our swords drawn in the battle together so we can see all that's coming. That is my visual. So if you're a part of Sunday, Wednesday, or Bible study, discipleship is a part of your life. I would just ask that you all pray and pray diligently that the Lord would reveal to you his heart for discipleship in your life. So next week, we're gonna study about Barnabas. Who is Barnabas? And I'm gonna pass all this stuff. Sam's gonna tell you all about it next week. But um, I love Barnabas. He was one person who discipled me in the word. I love him. He's, a, he's an encourager, and he's a leader. He's a giver of his time, money, energy. So I love everything about him. He's humble. 
And then the week after that, we're gonna see Barnabas' pursuit of Paul, by, and our, our title is, Whom Should I Follow? Good question. Whom should I follow? We need to look at who we follow. Who are we gonna follow? Don't just follow anybody, because somebody could take you off a cliff, and that's not good. It's really bad. <laughs> but you know, Barnabas, he saw something in Paul. He saw, he didn't look at his past, he looked at his present and the possibilities that God could use him right now. And if you think of an imperfect person, he killed Christians and became the, he became a, the writer of most of the New Testament. Then our fourth week is titled, Should I Be a Mentor? And we're gonna look at Paul as he pursues and trains Timothy. Love, love their relationship so much. It's so beautiful to me. It's a beautiful picture of discipleship. The love between them, I love. The respect that Timothy has for Paul, wow. May I have more of that in me for others. So in closing, I wanted to just give you a short plug for our packet. Um, We hope that you work through them. You know, it will bless you if you do by completing your study, uh, but it'll bless your group also as you share. Um, and, you know, our group time is a time of discipleship together, so it's, it's a good time to learn together um, and a good time to do our study. It's, it'll, you'll only get out what you put into it, you know, and, and we want you to get out the most that you can learn about Jesus and about being together. And then, if you should find yourself in a time that you're unable to do work, because this happens, let me encourage you, just read through your packet, because you know what? It's designed to give insight and understanding each week for each week's topics, so that you will be able to follow along with better clarity during the teaching time and your group time. And you know what? There's no shame in writing down someone else's answer when you're there. I have done it. I've done it because it's been so good. I'm like, oh, yeah, I could not have worded that that well. You know, we're, we're come as you are. We want you to come, be together, be blessed by one another, be prayed for. And finally, I'm going to close now. I think I've tried to close like three times, but I'm going to really close now. <laughs> I want you to know that this study on discipleship is not a topic that can be exhausted in text or, or word being taught. Um, But our hope is, when part one breaks for a week, that you'll be so excited to come back for for part two because we're very excited to um, reveal that part to you. So I just wanna say, as we close, just before I pray, um, that discipleship is dear to the heart of God. And may we grow in what is dear to him. May we grow in what is dear to him, that we can shine our light for Jesus Christ to this lost, and very dead world. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just thank you for this time. I I apologize for being long, but I I just thank you that we get to study discipleship, God, that that, um, we're gonna hear your heart on discipleship, that we're gonna read your word and study through your word about discipleship, and I just pray that um, you would work your discipleship in our hearts today, God, that we would feel excited about what you're doing in us as we go to our groups and that we would be able to share one with another, that we would be that iron that sharpens iron and those who stand back to back with the swords drawn for the battle and that we would, we would grow and as we would grow that our light would become more intense and to the world around us, God. So Lord, I lift this up to you. We thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, your peace, your kindness, your long suffering. 
May you work those in our lives today. May we be changed. May we be changed. Do not leave us as we are. We want to look like Jesus. So work in us today, God. Do a work by the power of your Holy Spirit. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.